Well, we are starting today um, a new series called New Beginnings, and I thought at the beginning of the year, that's a, kind of a good time for it, because uh, it's all about new beginnings. It's all about what's new, what's, what's fresh. Everything seems fresh in some way, doesn't it? It's like, oh, we wiped away 2021, and now we're in 2022, which seems like far future, right? It's just like, whoa, that, can this even be 2022? I'm waiting for for two twenty two of twenty twenty two because just it's so cool, right? Uh, so lots of fun things coming this year. It's all all fresh and new and a fresh start, and uh, and we want some new beginnings. And, and at the at the beginning of the year, um, just quick survey. Anybody do like any New Year's resolutions? I've done that. I've asked that for several years. I'm like nobody does that. It's like some years, like it's in vogue. Everybody does it. And some years, it's like no, nobody does it. I don't know whether we get tired of it, whether you know we're tired of failure, what it is. Um, but there's there's something fresh about the beginning of the year, and we want to do something new. We want to do maybe uh, something different, maybe something risky. So let me ask you this: What's when's the last time you've done something risky? Other than like come out this morning in the cold, <laughs> you know, like what's the t- last or what's the riskiest thing you've ever done? Ever done anything risky? Like maybe something that uh, involves some physical danger, uh, paragliding or hang gliding or, or you know, like climbing a mountain. Any any extreme sports people out here? Or, or maybe you've done something financially kind of risky. It's like ooh, you know, this investment or this new uh, project or this business venture. You know, you risk losing some money. Or a relational risk, like you risk asking him out or her out, or you, you kind of risk like trying to repair a relationship. You reach out and you're like, yeah, I don't know what the response is going to be, but you're kind of vulnerable uh, in that area. Or maybe it's a vocational risk, yeah, a new job or a new career path, something, something different. Or let me ask you this, like anybody take any spiritual risks? When's the last time you've taken a, a risk in your walk with Jesus? Like you feel like God's calling you to do something and, and you've got to step out in faith. Well, at the beginning of this new year, we're going to take some time to look at uh, new beginnings and what it looks like to live a life characterized by courage and, and maybe taking some God-honoring risks. And, and when I think about courage, like in the Bible, the first person I think of is this guy, Joshua. And we kind of name-dropped him a few weeks ago. Uh, Jesus was sort of named after him, Joshua, Yeshua. Um, but when it comes to Scripture, I think of Joshua. And so if you've got your Bibles with you and you want to follow along, or you, there's some in the pews, or if you've got your U version, we're going to be in Joshua today. We're going to start out in Joshua chapter 1. Sixth book of the Old Testament, so you get through the Pentateuch, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You get past those five. Sixth book, it's not too hard to find. But Joshua, and he's got an amazing story, and I want to just kind of review it a little bit uh, because it, it plays into what we're going to talk about. You've got to understand his history and the nation of Israel's history. In Israel, uh, if you've read through Genesis, it kind of like the start of Israel. Uh, you got Abraham giving this promise, being called, uh, the, I'm going to have a bunch of kids. He's like, I don't know how that's going to happen, but I trust you, God, and he faith, and he followed and, and he had this family, and it grew and grew, and he had several generations. And then at the end of Genesis, you've got Joseph in Egypt, and his whole family comes down to follow him. And at the end of Genesis, it's sort of this uh, extended family, but you pick it up at the beginning of Exodus, and, and several centuries have passed, I think. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, you've got this nation, this mini-nation, but they're a nation of slaves at this point in Egypt. And uh, God sends Moses, and he leads them out of, the, this, uh, out of their slavery back into the promised land, the land that was promised to Abraham, the land that uh, God promised to lead his people back to. And they get back there, and uh, they're like, okay, we got to you know, see what's going on. So he sends 12 spies out to scout it out. 
And two of the spies, uh, guy, Joshua, one of them, and another guy named Caleb, uh, they come back and they, they, they say, man, there were some huge obstacles, but we can do this. With God's help, we can do this. But the people refuse to believe. They're like, yeah, I don't think so. You know, like they're, they're really big and we're kind of like grasshoppers in comparison. Like God is not sufficient. We don't believe that God is uh, going to enable us to do what he's calling us to do. And they grumbled and, and they lived in fear and God's like, fine. Fine, okay, you know what? Your kids get to go on this adventure of faith with me. You can just stay out in the wilderness. And so that's what happened. This entire generation of God's people who left Egypt under these miraculous, incredible circumstances, they refused to trust God and believe that he was sufficient for them. And so they ended up just wandering in the desert until they all died off. And so we pick up the story in Joshua chapter 1, and they're facing this new beginning. It's a new beginning for Israel. It's a new beginning for Joshua. And God's desire is that this next generation, this new generation, would go down a different path than what their parents did. Um, Look real carefully here in Joshua chapter 1 at the promise God makes to the people uh, through Joshua as they're standing on the banks of the Jordan River getting ready to enter the promised land. It says in Joshua 1.1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide is the number one guy, you know, okay, Moses, my servant, is dead, God says. Now now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Like, I'm a God of my word. I promised Moses. uh, I promised Abraham. I'm a God of my word. You can trust me. Skip down to verse 5. It says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. He's talking specifically to Joshua. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he's like, remember how I was with Moses? I was faithful, wasn't I? Like, I'm going to be the same way with you, Joshua. I'm going to be the same way with the people. So be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them, the promised land. I promise this. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for Yahweh, the Lord your God, will be with you wherever you go. God's saying, don't live in fear. I don't want you making the same mistakes that, that your parents made. Okay? And his promise is, I'll be with you. Every place you set foot in the land, I've gone ahead of you. you know, I, my power will be available for you. You will not have to spend the rest of your life just on like, the power of your own resources. What an amazing promise. Like, like, how cool is that? Like, God's like, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm there. And then and we're going to skip down to chapter 3. God's going to do something amazing, but God wants the people of Israel to do something first. He wants God, his people to do something first. Joshua 3.13. Joshua is about to cross the, the river Jordan. God says, Joshua, I want you to cross over the Jordan. And here's what's going to happen. The priests are going to carry the Ark of the Covenant, which had like the stone tablets in them, you know, this big heavy, heavy deal. You've seen Indiana Jones, right? So they're going to carry this uh, across. And this, this was a symbol of God's presence with the people of Israel. So you've got the Ark. Uh, it's going to go before the people, symbolizing the fact that God is going uh, before them. He's, they're being guided by God. And here's what God says to the people, uh, verse 13. 
He says, as soon as the priests who carry the ark of Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Now, to understand this, you kind of kind of understand the significance of the Jordan River, because it's a real, real important river in Israel's life. There's a, a map of the Jordan River. You can kind of see it starts up north on Mount Hermon. It flows down through the Sea of Galilee, and then between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. And this was a real significant river uh, for the people of Israel. It is the, here's Israel. This is the eastern boundary of, of Israel. It's the eastern border for the country of Israel. And it as many of you know, like water, like this is a desert area, so water is very scarce. It's highly valued. So a river, like, oh, a river is amazing. And in fact, uh, in a lot of countries, rivers were kind of a sacred thing. The Ganges in India or the Nile River in Egypt, they were, they were kind of like, they were kind of sacred. Their, their primary river was a, a sacred deal. Uh, the Jordan River was never really considered that. In Israel, the Jordan was kind of a barrier. It's what stood between the people of God who are in the desert, on the desert side, and life in the land that God calls them to. So it's something that they have to get across. It's a barrier for them. Now, for the people who lived in Canaan, especially the people who lived in Jericho, it's somewhere right in there, okay, the Jordan's their protection. There's their protection. And they thought of their God, Baal, or Baal, sometimes you hear it called. Baal, uh, he was a water god. He like, lived in the river, and, and uh, water uh, and gods were often associated. In fact, one of the reasons, like as you read through Genesis and Exodus, a lot of the, the miracles, uh, specifically in Exodus, like parting of the Red Sea and, and the water coming from the rock, they, they have to do with water because God wants his people to know that he is Lord of all the earth, not Baal. And, and the people are going to have to decide, like, okay, which one's the real God? Now, the water in the Jordan uh, flows quite fast, which could make the river difficult to get across. Most of the time, it was not. Usually not. Uh, for the most part, the Jordan was not a big river. And if any of you, anybody ever been to Israel here? Anybody? Any? Okay. Uh, well, I've been there. Uh, this is not my picture, but it's a picture of it now. Uh, this is what it looks like. Uh, kind of now. Uh, Israel, the, the government uses it for irrigation, so it's much smaller. It's a little bit bigger in, in Joshua's day, but for the most part, not real difficult to get across. Only three to six feet deep in some places. And archaeologists tell us that there was probably about 60 places that you could ford the river. You could get across. It didn't have bridges and stuff, but you could get across at several places. Uh, armies uh, had to hold these fords. It was real important. Now, here's where things start to get real interesting, though, because of verse uh, 15 of chapter 3. It says, the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. So when the people of Israel get to the Jordan River, it's at flood stage, which means there's no way to get across. They didn't have bridges or boats or jet skis or, or nothing. You couldn't ford the river. Uh, this is actually some video taken of the Jordan River at flood stage. Of Imagine standing there going like, okay, Joshua, you let us here. What are you doing? Like, how, how are we going to get across? Like, what in the world is Joshua, Joshua doing? Now, God says, like, I'm going to make a way for you to cross the Jordan River. But first, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put a foot in the Jordan River. And when you do that, I'll make a way. It was just stop, just like that. That was really cool. I kind of should have timed it that way. Now, here's where things get really interesting. Because, okay, uh, this is kind of a cross-section of what the Jordan River looks like. Usually the Jordan River is down in this little basin. And then there's this gorge called the Zor. Uh, and it ran about 150 feet wide, 10 to 20 feet deep. Now, when 
this is the normal, when the Jordan River is at flood stage, the Zor fills up and the whole gorge just kind of fills with water. And I want you to notice the banks in particular. This is kind of a picture of what it, it looks like. Okay, it's almost perpendicular. Okay, this is not like going to the beach where you can kind of go, oh, just kind of wade in ankle deep. No, like uh, it, when the Jordan River is at flood stage, like if you go into the river, you go into the river, right? And, and imagine like you're the first priest. You know, you're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Joshua says, I want you to step in the river. And, uh, you know, that river doesn't part. Like, you're sunk, <laughs> literally. You're, like, if I'm the lead guy with the ark, I think I'm going like, you know, I was in the lead last time, week. You know, why don't you take a turn? You know, let somebody else go first. You know, like, like t- turn to one of the other priests. Because um, this is a real sobering thing that God's asking him to do. And God is teaching his people a huge lesson. Israel faced this obstacle. The Jordan River is a barrier, and they've got to get across the Jordan to get to the life that God has for them. And God's power is sufficient. He is going to make a way. He will deliver them. But, 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 they have to take the first step. They would not see God's power. They would not see all this mighty display of God's faithfulness and God's sufficiency until they took the first step. God says, like, okay, I want you to take one step into the Jordan and then you're going to see me at work. Because he's teaching people, this is how trust works. And this is such a key lesson that he wants them to remember it. So when they all get over to the other side, he's like, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take 12 men, because these are going to be heavy. I want you to take 12 big stones. And I want you to set them up as an altar to remember. And so your kids can remember. So like, you can bring back and tell the story of what happened. God made a way. God got us across this uncrossable barrier. God did this. And guess where they, uh, God told them to get their stones from? The middle of the Jordan River. He's like, yeah, they get over to the other side. God says, okay, now I want you to walk back into the riverbed, collect 12 stones, and make an altar. And God's teaching his people, like, I have so much power, and I want to manifest it in your life, but if you want to see my power, first you've got to take a risk. You've got to take the spiritual risk of trusting me first. To be in relationship with me and to enter into the kind of life that I'm calling you to is going to involve some spiritual risk-taking. It's going to involve the risk of obedience. And most of the rest of Joshua kind of talks about this theme. This, these battle stories are centered around this theme. Will Israel trust God enough to do what he says? Will they trust him enough to obey what he says? And when they do, God's power is manifest in amazing ways. For example, Joshua 5, think about this. Okay, God gets Joshua and the, the men of Israel all over to the other side. He's like, okay, now I want you to circumcise all the guys. They hadn't been circumcised when they were wandering in the desert. Now, let me ask you, you know, like if you had just crossed the, this uncrossable barrier, you just got through the Jordan, and you're ready to go to war, and there's no escape back if your enemies come after you, is that the time that you would choose to have your whole army circumcised? I don't think so. Yeah, God wants to know, though, do you really trust me? Like, do you really trust that I'll protect you? Will you really obey me? Well, they do. And then Joshua chapter 6 is the story of the fall of Jericho. And you guys know about this story. What you might not know is that Jericho was really old. It's one of the oldest fortified cities in Canaan, if not the entire world at the time. But it was also quite small. So archaeologists' best estimate was like four or five acres behind double walls. So quite small. Israel could have just you know, laid siege. They could have attacked it and defeated it. In a siege or attack, Israel would have won. 
Instead, they get the command. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take everybody walk around this city and then do it the next day and next day and next day for seven days and then walk around it seven times. And the soldiers, they got to feel a little silly. You know, like, really? Like, I thought we were like, we're here to fight. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, we just got circumcised and we're better now. So we got to fight and let's take the, these guys. And, and uh, Joshua 6.16 says, well, the reason... The reason is that you will know the Lord has given you the city. This is God's work here. This is not because of your strength. God's like, will you trust me enough to do something even if you feel a little foolish doing it? Or if you did it under your own power, like, oh, you feel like, oh, oh pretty strong, you know? Will you, will you willing to, uh, are you willing to trust me like that instead of trusting in your own strength? The same theme goes on throughout the book. One of the great stories of trust is in chapter 14, verse 10. If you want to turn there, story of Caleb. Caleb's the other spy, one of the two good spies uh, sent out by Moses. Caleb and Joshua trusted God. They're the only ones who said, we can do this with God's help. But because of Israel's unbelief, Caleb, along with Joshua, had to spend the next 40 years of his life in the wilderness. So from the time Caleb's 40 years old, for the next four decades, he can't cross the Jordan, not because he lacks faith, but because of the people. Now, when they finally get to cross the Jordan, he's 80 years old. This is about five years later. Caleb's 85, so keep that in mind. This is Caleb talking now, verse 10, chapter 14. He says, Now, just as Yahweh promised, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. Just as vigorous to go out to battle as I was then when I was 40. Imagine that. Like you're 85 years old. I know some of you guys are, are around that age. Like imagine, like I feel like a 40-year-old. I can go out to battle. I'm ready to do this. He says, I'm just as vigorous now. So give me this hill country that Yahweh promised me that day. You yourselves heard then that the Anakites were there. The Anakites were like the fiercest, largest enemies Israel faced. And their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I'll drive them out, just as he said. 85-year-old guy, he asked for the hill country, like the hardest country to take. And he asked to face the Anakites, the Israel's most formidable opponents. The guy's 85 years old. You think he'd be like asking for a condo in Shalom Acres or something like that, right? You know, instead he asked God for a real hard job. He's like, I, I want to take this risk. God, give me one more chance to cross the Jordan. One more chance to do a really hard thing for God. One more chance to trust him. Like, I'm 85 years old. 45 years I've been waiting for this chance. Don't let me miss it now. I want to go on this great adventure with God. Imagine that. So a couple questions for us. First, like, what is God calling you to? And then what's your Jordan River? Where's God asking you to take a step? And what's getting in the way? Because here's one thing I know. Everybody in this room faces the Jordan. Everybody in this room faces barriers that try to prevent us from entering the land that God has for us. Every one of us do. And God's like, I've already gone ahead of you. I, every step you take, I'll be there. I've occupied the land but you have to choose. And stepping into the Jordan, whatever your Jordan is, always involves overcoming fear. That's why in Joshua 1, God says over and over again, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Now, for some people in this room, like in your life with God, it's time for some spiritual risk taking. If you step out in faith and take a risk, like maybe it'll work out great. Phenomenal things will happen. Maybe it, it won't. Sometimes you fail. Sometimes it doesn't work out real great doesn't really matter ultimately as long as you take the step. 
Now, understand, it's not ultimately about how risky it is, the step that you're taking. Sometimes people go, oh, the greater the risk, the greater faith I'm exercising in God. But faith is primarily about obedience. It's not about the risk. God's power generally gets released in somebody when they trust him enough to obey him. And some people, some people spend their whole life just standing scared on the banks of the Jordan, waiting for the waters to part first. Like, okay, God, okay, God, like you part the waters first, and then I'll be the first one in. But, but you got to make it easy, God. Like, yeah, yeah, you give me whatever it is I need first, and then, uh, then I'll take this step of faith. Maybe you're tempted to think, oh, God, you know what? Give me lots of money, and then I'll be generous. But for many people, it's giving that comes first. Doesn't mean that's an automatic way to get rich or something, but when we stand by the side of the Jordan and go like, hey God, make it easy first. Give me lots of resources first. Then I'll become a generous person. You're going to wait a long time. Do you trust God? That's where the whole adventure is. It's stepping into the Jordan. Or maybe you're tempted to think, you know, God, give me lots of time and then I'll start to study your word. Like, Because the temptation is to think, I just don't have enough time. God, give me some time. Back in Joshua 10, Israel uh, is fighting at Gibeon, and they're in the thick of battle, and they're running out of time. So what does God do? Makes the sun stand still. God's like, hey, you need more time? No problem. I made time. I can make extra. Like It's my possession. And God made more time for them. God's the Lord of time, just like he's the Lord of stuff. But you've got to trust God with it first. You've got to step into the Jordan. Or maybe you're tempted to think, you know, God, give me a lot of confidence and then I'll tell somebody else about you. You Just kind of make it easy, you know, pave the way. Maybe they'll ask me a question first. But really, how much risk are we talking about there? Worst case scenario, what could happen? Well, they might say no. Yeah, if you share your faith, like, you go, hey, come, come along with me. Invite them to a service. They, they might say no. They might. But if you don't, how can they say yes? You got to step into the Jordan and nobody can do that for you. You've got to get your feet wet. Or maybe you're on the other side of the equation and you're, you're at the edge of the line of faith and you've never made a personal commitment and stepped into a relationship with Jesus, never trusted him to be your forgiver and the leader of your life, and it's time for you to take a step of faith. I don't know what it means for you. Everybody faces the Jordan, I know that. And you've got to take the first step. So here's the challenge. I'd like us uh, every one of us, I want to challenge us to make this a year of spiritual risk-taking. Just like, let's do some stepping into the Jordan. Because as I look back on my life, it's not usually the risks that I took that I've regretted. It's the risks I never took. It's the times I didn't take that first step. Imagine for a moment the story we just read. Like, nobody in Israel is willing to get their feet wet. Everybody's just like, God, you, you part the water first and make it safe, and then I'll go in. Imagine that. Where would they be? They'd still be sitting on the banks of the Jordan. No promised land, no miracles, no community, no prophets, no adventure with God. Just day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, generation after generation, sitting on the banks of the river waiting for something to happen. Let me tell you, some of you have been sitting on the banks of the Jordan for too long. Some of you maybe used to get into the river on a regular basis, but somewhere along the line, you just kind of got, got comfortable sitting on the bank. And it may feel pretty safe there, but I want to tell you something. The Jordan is where God is. God's power is available to people who are willing to take the first step and trust him and take a spiritual risk. God's words to Joshua are his words to you today. 
Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your word and thank you for what it tells us and the challenge for us. God, it's so easy just to fall into that pattern of just being so comfortable and safe and feeling like, okay, I'm okay where where I'm at. And God, you call us to to step out in faith. God honoring risk. What does that look like? God, each one of us, it, it may be different. Maybe maybe for some of us, it's, it's something to do with a relationship or, or something to do with trusting you with our, with our resources or, or whatever it is, God. Each person here has something. And we've got a barrier. We've got a Jordan River. And, and you call us to take a step first. Lord, give us courage to do that. Give us wisdom to know what it is we're supposed to do. Give us the courage to do it, to take that step whatever it is that you're calling us to do. And God, if there's, there's here who just need to, their, their next step is their first step. They need to step across the line of faith. I just pray that they would have the courage to do that. That uh, you would welcome them with open arms as you always do. Lord, thank you again for your word and for what it tells us. Give us a, a year of spiritual adventure. A year of following after you and taking God-honoring risks. We love you and we ask all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.